0: The following message is from King's Church 1066 based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Thank you so much. It's great to be uh, back with you. I do recall those very early days. Uh, I met Don Smith when he was gathering, I think 14 people in his basement flat. And he always said, after I came and preached, it dropped to 10. So that's how much a blessing I was. But I always also used to say, I need a word of knowledge to find you. Because you moved from his home to a school, to a community hall. To a... It was like always moving on, because as you grew and grew and grew, you outgrew all the various locations that you used to meet in. It was wonderful to see that progress, to see that growth that took place. And now, every time I come over here, you've changed this building, man. And uh, this is great, isn't it? I love the way uh, that you gather in this room, lovely, warm room. And it's uh, just, just ideal. And all the work you're doing among the poor and uh, serving people locally. I'm very proud to have any kind of association with you. And it's a joy to be in your terrific worship this morning. So Jesus focused, so wonderful. I, I just love meeting with God in our worship together. Uh, 2020 looked amazing didn't it i thought wow 2020 you can't improve on that. it's gonna be a great year and then what happened everything got cancelled and uh, what on earth do i do i had a full program and it all went down the pan and i felt god spoke to me and said it's time for you to write so i was very glad to have that discipline each day uh to go into my study i felt i really met with god and i wrote this book god's treasured possession uh, during the lockdown outside on the table you'll find it if you'd like to take advantage of it uh, being there Christmas is coming Christmas presents Uh, there are one or two other titles too uh, one by my my wife as well so if you'd like to take advantage of the books being there please please do I'm going to speak to you from a story in second Kings and chapter seven I'll read the story it's quite a brief one uh, but it's I think rather typical of the thing we're going to focus on this morning. Okay, so 2 Kings and chapter 7. And this follows uh, not only chapter 6, which you might be surprised about, but it follows uh, one of the most terrible famines that had happened. Uh, and as a judgment on these people, God had allowed an army to come against them. They were his people, his, his people, Old Testament people, But they were surrounded uh, in a siege and people were in terrible, dire straits. It looked like this is the end for us all. We're all going to die. We're going to starve to death. There's no food here. It's a a terrible situation we're in. And then suddenly there comes this word from Elisha. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Elisha said, listen to the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow... About this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel. Two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The royal officer, on whose hand the king was leaning, answered the man of God and said, if the Lord should make windows in heaven, could that thing be? He said, you will see it with your own eyes, but you won't eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why do we sit here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, then there's famine in the city, and we will die there. If, if we sit here, we'll die here also. Now therefore come, let's go over to the camp of the Arameans. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, we'll die. There rose in twilight to go to the camp The Arameans, when they came to the outskirts of the camp of the Arameans, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Arameans to hear a sound of chariots and a sound of horses, even the sound of a great army. So they said to one another, The king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to come against us. Therefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and left their tents and their horses and their donkeys, even the camp, just as it was, and fled for their life. When the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they entered one tent and ate and drank and carried from their silver and gold and clothes and hid hid them, and they returned and entered another tent, carried from there also, and went and hid them. Then they said to one another, We're not doing right. This day is a day of good news, but we're keeping silent. If we wait until morning light, a punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come, let's go and tell the king's household. Father, thank you so much for your being the centre of our worship, all our delight being in you. What a wonderful name. What a powerful name, what a glorious name. Thank you, you've delivered us from the dominion of darkness, blindness, ignorance, opened our eyes to the wonder of Christ. Lord, we just worship you. And Father, we do ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you will be our teacher. We thank you, promise to give the spirit to those who ask. So we ask right now, come Holy Spirit, Rest on us. Come shut us in with you. Come be our teacher. Come, Holy Spirit, rest upon us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here's a, an amazing Bible story of phenomenal deliverance the story of a city that's shut in besieged, Uh, people are beginning to act in a cannibalistic kind of way. It's like, wow, how low can you sink? And then this extraordinary voice and word that says, tomorrow, all will be well. Tomorrow, food will be cheap. You'll have everything you need. Tomorrow, it's gonna be all over. And that's an extraordinary uh, announcement. Uh, Hey, there's gonna come an end, there's gonna come a deliverance. Now, extraordinary thing is the Bible is full of these kind of occasions. Full of stories of breakthrough and deliverance. Situations that look terribly dark, look as though it's it's the end, it's all over. And then God steps in and every one of them is written to get us ready for the big one that's coming later. The Bible says of itself, it's all about Jesus. Jesus. We're told about Jesus at the resurrection. He walking with the guys down the Emmaus road. And it says he told them right from the whole Bible, all these stories about himself. All these stories about him. Stories of extraordinary deliverance. And So for instance, we know that when uh, Israel is being delivered from Egypt, it, it couldn't look worse. There's this 2 million people Running away, they're without any uh, swords or spears or chariots. And they're locked in. The Red Sea has blocked their way. And the Egyptian army's coming on their chariots, their horses, their weaponry. It's like, wow, well, right, we're finished. We're finished. It's all over. And no, 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 not, not all over. The sea opens. And they go through. and they're, they're delivered. And that deliverance is kind of a, it's right from the beginning of the Bible saying, God is a God of deliverance. God's a God who breaks through and it looks impossible. You'll find that Daniel is is put into the lion's den, but hey, somehow the lions can't touch him. His three brothers, friends are are thrown into a fiery furnace. Somehow the fire doesn't touch them. They're set free, they're delivered. We find that Goliath, this tall, great giant of a man, is having terrific authority over Israel, just overwhelming them. David takes him out with a stone. It's like one deliverance after another. God comes to set people free. I once heard an interview on the Today program, and I remember John Humphreys talking to a minister, uh, and he said to him, "Well, the Bible is that book about morality." And the minister he was speaking to him said, "No the Bible's not a book about morality." And John Humphrey said, "Hey, I never thought I'd hear a minister say that the Bible's not a book about morality." He said, "No, it's not about morality." It's about deliverance. It's about God setting people free. It's about a rescue. And so this is one of those wonderful stories about a rescue. They're shut in. There's no food. This army is apparently invincible. And the story turns, you think, well, who is going to set this free? Are some SAS men, hidden, right? You know, some, some little group, some, maybe like David's mighty men. Remember when David... Later on in the Bible, it says David said, oh, if I could have some of the water uh, from Bethlehem. And some of these young guys said, let's go and do it. Courageous young warriors, and they broke out and found some water. Is it going to turn on some powerful guys? Powerful, strong? Actually, no, it doesn't. The story told us there were four leprous guys outside the city. They weren't allowed in the city. The city is uh, in terrible trouble anyway, but lepers are outside. They're not allowed in. And food would have been let down over the wall to them. of course, there's no food coming now because there's nothing left in the city. And so they're in dire straits and they're saying, we might as well throw ourselves on the enemy. We're going to die anyway. And the story turns on this actually. The story turns on four guys who've got nothing else to live for. It's incredible, actually, how powerful people who've got no other agenda are. You know, we we would do lots of things, wouldn't we? But, I mean, what about my reputation? If I start talking to people about Jesus at work, I mean, that that could be the end of my reputation. It's like they'll all just laugh at me. I mean, come on. Or if I did that, what about about the children? What about finance? We've got so many whatabouts that, you know, I would do it, but, yeah, I'd love to give more, but I'd love to go, yeah, but. And because we've got other agendas, there's loads of stuff we don't do because, well, what about the implications? But dead people, people who think we're dead anyway, they're as free as anything. Do you know, there's something about that in the New Testament. When they came to Paul and they said to Paul, don't go into Jerusalem, it's dangerous. You could lose your life, your ministry. You could lose your ministry. You're so precious to us. Uh, and Paul's answer to them is, I don't regard my life as dear to myself, that I might finish my course and the ministry I receive from the Lord. Maybe the ministry I have is to die. Oh, we need you. No, no, well, maybe that's what God has for me. So he's not kind of held back by those kind of limitations. You just want to put God first. Wendy and I were recently in Madrid speaking to a church there, and I remember when Kevin Bartlett, I was at West Point at one of these uh, um, Bible weekends, and uh, this young man stood up with his little family and said... uh, we're going to Madrid. And I said, Do you speak Spanish? Not yet. Do you know anybody there? No. I remember when I looked and I said, I've often prayed for him since. I didn't really know Kevin. But I thought, wow, he's just going. But, but what if, what if, doesn't really matter. And it was such a privilege to go out there some 10 years later and be with him in this church, about 120, while we were there, we baptised some more people in the swimming pool. I laid hands on some people that got filled with the Spirit. We saw some people healed. And the church keeps growing. And there's these little kids that were standing around him as we prayed for them. They're leading the worship. These guys in their late teens now. I thought, oh my word. If you'd asked the what if questions, that would never have happened. That church wouldn't be there. There wouldn't be a breakthrough. There wouldn't be a gathering of other Spanish pastors who's beginning to affect and gather no, he had no other agenda. Scripture says this, I glory in the cross of Christ by which I was crucified to the world. And the world was crucified to me. It was like knowing about the death of Jesus has changed my values. It's changed my agenda. And it says also, Jesus suffered outside the gate. So let's go out to him. Outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here, we have no lasting city, but we're seeking a city which is to come. These lepers realize we're going to die anyway. We might as well throw ourselves on the mercy. If they have mercy on us, we live. If they don't, they die anyway. They were so free. They're extraordinarily free. But they also realized there's no hope in the city. There's nothing in the city. I wonder if you've realised that yet. Because sometimes what about my career? What about, and somehow we think there's life in the city, but there's nothing in the city. There's nothing, when you've really seen Jesus, there's nothing else you can compare. Nothing compares, we say. There's no other thing, life, there's nothing else to give our lives to, nothing worthwhile to give our lives to. So this turning point wasn't on strong people. It wasn't people that, wow, they're resourceful. They've got incredible skills. They've got amazing. They had nothing. But they had no other agenda either. And it's interesting. It says about a man called Demas in the Bible. You hear him referred to in Paul's letters. My, my friend Demas sends greetings. My friend. He just talks about him as a co-worker. And then the last time he's referred to, he says, Demas has left me, having fallen in love with this passing age. It's a passing age. But he's, what, he's, he's somehow, he's co-worker with the Apostle Paul. Suddenly, he wanted what was in the city. Suddenly, he thought there's something there for him. Uh, and Paul says, no, let's go outside the camp. Let's go to Jesus. Outside the camp, he, he suffered for us. For here we have no con- a continuing city. We're looking for a city which is to come. Our, vol- our values are in the future. Yes. Our values are not here. We- yeah, We live in the world, but the Bible says we have dealings with the world, but we're to live as though, as though we had no dealings with them. It. it doesn't capture us. It doesn't thrill us. It doesn't focus our attention. Have we arrived there? These guys were so useful to God. Because they had no other agenda. Are we useful to God yet? Or are we too preoccupied? What what if? These guys were free to be the agents of this extraordinary miracle that happened. So they went. Let's go back to the story. They went. And as they went, imagine, I can imagine them coming near to the the place, the location. And as they're getting nearer to it, I expect they're waiting for the centuries. You now, where are we gonna reach that who goes there? You know, I guess they're very scared, waiting, as they got closer and closer. And as they get very close, they realize there's no one there. There's no army there. has as be read, it said, God had caused them to hear a rumor that somehow they'd got a message out through an army that was gonna come and overcome them and rescue the city. And so they'd fled. They even left their horses. There's terror, terror swept through. And so it was a supernatural thing, really, that there were not only fear, it was a fear that dominated their lives so much they fled. And so these lepers, they, they come to these tents. Imagine it, they're in their rags. They haven't eaten for days. And they oh, my word, look what I found. And they open the tent and oh, Food. Imagine them there eating their food, drinking their wine. Imagine and putting on the clothes. Wow, look at this. Do I look good in this? Do you know, and, uh, and they're, they're just trying on the stuff, taking stuff, eating stuff, celebrating it, and then thinking, this is mine, it's mine, it's mine. I'm going to go to hide It says they hid it. They took it and hid it. And then they went to another tent. There's another tent. There's another tent. It's like Aladdin's cave. It's, I remember once I was. Uh, I was in Portsmouth, and I, and I was told about a bookshop. Now, I'm a bit of a book fan, and there was a Christian bookshop. They're pretty rare these days, but it had piles and piles of secondhand books and uh, volumes that are now out of date and, and so ends of stock. And oh, Amazing. It was just wonderful. And there's a whole Lloyd-Jones series, the whole Spurgeon's Tabernacle, the whole... I thought, oh, look, oh, oh. And I phoned my son, Joel, I said, hello, Joel, I'm in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. He said, what are you talking about? So I told him, I said, there's this amazing bookshop. Well, a few weeks later, I was in a meeting, and when I came, my phone had three uh, messages on it. And the first one was my son, Joel, saying, hey, Dad, I'm going to Portsmouth today. Where was that bookshop you told me about? And then the second one was a bit more urgent later on. He sent saying, Dad, I'm in Portsmouth, where's that bookshop? And then the third one was, I'm in there. It's <laughs> like, so I found it, I found it. And these guys must have thought, hey, heaven's come down. Heaven's come down. We've got everything we need. We have this extraordinary deliverance. But I say all well, these things, these extraordinary reversals, deliverance from death and pain and terrible starvation. To everything you need, it's all pointing forward. All these Old Testament stories are pointing forward. They're pointing forward to a, a very similar story when the Lord Jesus had been crucified. And we need to understand this. He's, he's we look at it from afterwards, but if you came at it from their experience, it's wonderful one that they'd focused on, they'd followed, they'd listened to his teaching, seen his miracles. And then, and then we come up to Jerusalem, and, and, and there's, hey, there's no answer from heaven. There's no deliverance. There's no honour for this wonderful saviour they followed. Uh, And he he snatched from them. They've never seen that happen before. Before he walked through crowds, they tried to stone him. They tried to push him off a cliff. You'll find these stories scattered through the Gospels. They tried, they tried, they couldn't touch him. And now, hey, they've got him. They've snatched him, they've taken him away. They've beaten him. They've dishonoured him. They've shamed him. They've mocked him. They've ripped his clothes off. They've whipped him till he's nearly dead. There's no answer. Where's this answer from heaven? He's completely dishonoured. He's a—he's a cheat after all. He's accused of being a blasphemer. Blasphemer. They said, "If God's for you, why doesn't He deliver you?" And Jesus goes through all this, and look—look, look, this is the end of life for these guys. Imagine for them—they put all their hope in Him, and He's crucified. And listen—we tend to look at it spiritually, but this didn't happen in the temple. It's not a religious thing. It's outside the wall outside the city, out on the trash heap. It's not religious, it's not at the temple, it's not at a synagogue, it's at the trash heap. He's crucified, he's naked, he's hanging there. And and, and then Mary, like these guys really, goes out. And like, well, let's die with him, really. I mean, to associate with and I'm going to, who's gonna roll away, away the stone? This little woman. I mean, it's like a hopeless situation. Utterly, utterly hopeless. And she's going out into this ho- hopeless situation where Jesus has been shown to be a that's a liar. Where's the answer from heaven? There is no answer from heaven. And as she goes, you get this extraordinary, extraordinary reversal. Suddenly. Suddenly. I, I was at a funeral in Eastbourne on Friday. Hundreds of people gathered. One of our pastors' little girl had died. The place was full of sorrow. Full of sorrow. I, I, imagine if suddenly the little girl had run in. Said, I'm alive. You think, what? And there were, M- Mary's at the tomb. It's all dead. It's death, tears, sorrow. And suddenly. He's alive. Suddenly, it's like, they could not believe for joy. It Suddenly, everything's changed. Suddenly, hey, he's alive again. This wonderful Jesus that we followed, this Jesus who somehow failed at the cross, somehow had no answer, somehow was shown to be a blasphemer, he's alive again. And, and the sense of wonder must have been extraordinary. It must have been overwhelming. He's alive, he's alive. But not only is he alive, it's like, Listen to this, he's vindicated. He didn't, just, he didn't just endure. He didn't just somehow survive, somehow survive the cross. No, 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 no. Because on the cross he was shown to be a liar. He was a blasphemer. there's no answer from heaven. If you're the Son of God, come down, He couldn't. If God's for you, why doesn't He deliver you? He didn't. He's, no one delivered him. He's shown to be a blasphemer. The high priest is saying he's a blasphemer. He's dead. But beloved, when he came alive again, he's not just survived death, he's utterly vindicated. It says in Romans chapter 1, he's declared to be son of God with power through the resurrection from the dead. The resurrection from the dead doesn't just mean he lives on a little bit. It means he's utterly, utterly vindicated. And it says in Psalm 2, and it's interesting, this is quoted in the book of of Acts. You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Now Psalm 2 is a psalm about the Messiah, about the Saviour, about Jesus. Much of the Old Testament is telling us about Jesus who's coming. And here in in the Old Testament it's saying, today I've begotten you. You are my son. Ask me, I'll give you the nations for your inheritance. Now, when did that happen? Well, in the book of Acts, in Acts 14, Paul says it happened at the resurrection. At the resurrection, this corpse is awakened. You come alive. You're my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask me for the nations. You're totally vindicated. You're totally exonerated. You are who you claimed to be. And we celebrate not only that he survived death, but he is all that he claimed to be. He is the one who can ask the Father, give me the nations. He's not a crook that got found out. He's the one who's going to inherit the world. He's the Lord. He said, all authority is given to me. Go and make disciples of all the nations. I'm running the world. He's so vindicated. He's the authority. He's the one in control. He's the one who had a name above every name. This Jesus is thoroughly, awesomely vindicated. Yes. He's not just alive, it's like he came back with glory and power and might and majesty. He could appear in a room with doors are shut. He's got these, and he says, peace to you. That's amazing. The next thing he says, not only is he alive, but he says to Mary, go tell my brothers. Go tell my brothers, your brothers. You mean you want to have words with those disciples who all ran away and said they didn't know you? Hey, this is amazing. Think of it. There's Jesus with his 12. He's trained them. He's taught them. He's looked to them. He's warned them. He's encouraged them. He's healed he's done all and come up to the cross, and they all say, no, we don't know him, Uh, no, I don't know him, I've never met him, no, no, no. And Peter, this leading apostle, he says, no, I don't know him, no, no, I've never seen him before, no, 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 and it says he cursed and swore and said, I am not with him. Go tell those crooks that followed me that I'm back. Doesn't say that, doesn't say that. It says, go tell my brothers, It's amazing. It's amazing. Every word of the Bible counts. Go tell my brothers. Uh, They were called his followers. At one point he said, I don't call you followers anymore. I call you friends. It's moved on from friends now. Go tell my brothers. Your brothers. Yeah. You see, they're going to get to understand what happened at the cross. What happened at the cross? Where it says... He made peace through the blood of the cross. He took away all their sin, their failure. He didn't come to someone and preach, you said you wouldn't let me down. There's none of that's not in the Bible. You won't find that in the Bible. He doesn't come to him and say, you failure. I thought you were falling. No, it's not there. Why not? Because at the cross, Jesus took all our guilt. I wonder if you understand that, beloved. I wish you in church this morning. Maybe you've come with a friend. Do you understand what it's all about? It's all about one who took away our guilt. Yes. Who turns us from being enemies and, and failures. Trying maybe to be a follower of Jesus, but aware I can't do it. It says, no, he made, he made peace through the blood of his cross. It says, that he, it says this, he took away all the handwriting that was against us nailing it to his cross all the handwriting all the detail of your failure and mine all the things that are written down you did that you did that you said that you went there you all the stuff is written against us that's the language of the bible he took it and nailed it to his cross all our guilt was nailed to his cross that's why he died he made peace through the blood of his cross and when he stood among the 12, when they, he first appeared to them, he came into the room. What's the first thing he says? Peace to you. Peace, but my Lord, we sorry we denied you. Peace to you. Breathed on them. Said, receive the spirit. Where's the back? Where's the recrimination? Where's the, no, no, no. I cancelled all the handwriting that was against you. He cancelled it all. There's nothing written against you. Do you know that? You're given of clean conscience. Did you know that? Nothing hit, and it says, this is interesting, he said, you disarmed, it's in Colossians, he disarmed the principalities and powers. What does that mean? Well, when he took away the handwriting that was against you, all your sins that are written, and it's all washed out now, it's all nailed to his cross, taken away, he disarmed principalities and powers, because Satan and his hordes, their great weapon is accusation. He accuses us day and night, the Bible says. The devil accuses us day and night. It's his main weapon. You say, well, if I don't go downtown, I won't meet Satan. No, you'll meet Satan all the time. And his main weapon is to say, you're a terrible Christian. Call yourself a Christian. It's like, you're useless. You're terrible. You've got sin. You're... And that's his weaponry, right? That's, that's the thing he uses mostly, to write you off, to make you feel unworthy, to make, perhaps I shouldn't go to church. Perhaps I'm not worthy. You ask me to pray, I can't pray. You ask me, I can't do that. Because why? Well, I'm not worthy. And Jesus has written, he's taken that all away and he's disarmed the principalities and powers. It's like the army's gone and it's got no weapons. It's like these four lepers say, hey, there's no army. They've got no weapons. They've run away. The same thing here. He has disarmed them. He's written off everything. He's justified you freely. Jesus is vindicated and we're vindicated with him. He brings us, he's bringing many sons to glory. He's not ashamed to call us brothers. We're brothers. And and not only brothers, but adopted into his family. We're made one with him. We belong to him. We're his children. We're adopted. We're you know, J.I. Packer, a great theologian, said this, the greatest truth in the Bible, to know you're adopted, you can say, Father. I love singing in my devotional life. I sing quite a lot in my devotional life. I love seeing singing, Father, I can call you Father. Yeah. For I am your son today, tomorrow, and always. You're my father. Wow. He's my father. I'm adopted. I'm in the home. I'm chosen, hand-picked. Chosen by him, a son of the king. And not only a son, it says this, but an heir. We inherit everything. And not only in the short term, but forever. It's like not only this. It's like going through these tents and saying, wow, look at this gold. Man light, look at that silver. Look at that food. Look at that wine. Not only this, not only this, not only this, not only this. That's what we can say now. Not only cleansed but made a son. And not only a son, but an heir. And not only an heir, but forever. We're co-heirs with Christ forever. This is amazing what Jesus has done for us. It's breathtaking. He's adopted us into his family. And not only a legal document, but listen, he puts the spirit of sonship in our hearts. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We feel it. When you get full of the Holy Spirit... You feel it, you feel it. Abba, Father. I was once in Tel Aviv airport and uh, I saw this guy walking across and I saw this little boy running after him. He's shouting, Abba, Abba, Abba. I thought, oh, there it is, that Abba. I remember my son Simon, when he was a little boy, I don't know, he was about eight perhaps. I was reading a book. He came running in the room, sat in my lap, put his arms around my neck and said, hello, darling, dad. He felt it. I, I often when I when I pray, I, I use that when I'm worshiping. I say, darling dad. I borrowed that from my son. From my father. Wow, what have we found? From gonna you know, die? We were gonna die. We're just lepers outside. No hope for us. And they go and stumble on treasure. All these stories, crossing the Red Sea, we're all going to die. No, we're not going to die. We're on our way. There's something wonderful. And this is the most wonderful one of all, that Jesus has won this incredible salvation for us. Death is beaten. Tell it with joy, you faithful. He's alive. He's alive and you're his son. He's going to come in glory and we'll be with him captivated by his glory and so these beggars became tellers of good news that's what God's done for us amen he's thrilled us excited us captivated us it's so important that we've got something to talk about sometimes you hear the story told and, and and sometimes the preacher emphasizes it's not good for us to keep silence about this let's go and tell well that's right we want to tell them we've seen something. We've seen the amazing stuff God's done for us. I'll close with this: that uh, I don't know if you heard the story. Of Buck Thing, Buck Thing, was an Indian Christian, and he was—he went one day on a tour whereby he would see Mount Everest at dawn. And he went on this tour. It was about twenty or twenty-five people on the tour, and he said, we arrived at Everest. And he said, I'm looking up at it. And he said, I thought, well, I don't know. It's amazing, yeah. But he somehow was unmoved. And he said, I I don't understand. I was so looking forward to this. And and then the the director of the group came up to him and said, well, so we're all moving on now. (laughs) And, And Dr. Singh said, Really? Okay. And then the guy, the the guy understood. He said, no, no, no. He said, look, we won't go very far. We won't go very fast. Stay here, maybe 20 minutes. Quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. Just stay here. And he said, he stayed there another quarter of an hour, 20 minutes. And he said, I looked up and he said, suddenly the mist cleared. And he said, as the mist cleared, he said, it was like the mountain took a great step forward. And he said, I stood amazed, (laughs) overwhelmed. He said, I just absolutely captivated by what I saw. He He said, there are 20 people going around telling their friends, I saw Everest at that morning moment. And he said, I'm sorry, I have to say, they didn't see anything. They just looked through the mist. Beloved, it's so important for us that we are overwhelmed and full of wonder at what we've seen. That that we ourselves are shocked and staggered and amazed that we who brought nothing to the table are included, adopted, beloved. We're his forever. Hallelujah. Let me just close by saying God wants us free from all other agendas. Are you free? or you, so, There's so many, well, what if God can use people who've got no other agenda? Because we see there's, there's nothing in the world. We just want to live for him. That's what God wants, lives that are holy. He can tell a story around them. There's a story around these four lepers because they had no other agenda. There's a story around Kevin Bartlett in Madrid. He had no other agenda. He looks so risky, so crazy. What are you doing? What about your kids? And now he's got bilingual kids enjoying, on the mission with him. He had no other agenda. you free. Are you excited what you found? And it's all free. Got something to talk about. God bless you, I have to go to your other address. <laughs>